0: And students and students. So very, very much. Uh, I can't help but see Mark up here in front. And just be reminded that our college students, exam week. Uh, Dr. Shevy is doing the exam, so he's not under pressure. But uh, our students are facing that pressure that comes. And I'd like to pray for you this morning is to ask that God uh, give them peace and confidence as they <coughs> come to this final. Lord, uh, I remember the exams that I've taken in my life and how I felt uh, a great deal of pressure often. A lot was riding on those exams, and I knew that the outcome of my grades would depend upon doing really well. So there is a stress that comes with that. And I, I thank the Lord for professors like uh, Dr. Chevy. Uh, I know that he has a great testimony. Thankful for many other good evening professors like him. I I pray for the students, Lord. I just ask that you would help them to do well. I know some, Lord, are anticipating uh, trying to get into programs where there's a great deal of competition. And so I know they want to do the very best they can do. And I just pray that you would encourage them, uh, give them the time that they need to study, keep them strong and healthy. And we just pray that bless in their exams this week. So, we're so thankful that we lift them up to you, Lord. Just commit it to your love. Here. In Jesus' name. 36 years ago, I had the privilege of hearing Johnny Harrison Todd speak in person in Chicago. And perhaps no one has taught us the value of trials and how to accept them like this woman has. It's hard to believe that the smile on her face is the smile of a quadriplegic who is barely able to move. And most of us know the details. As a young woman, she was involved in a diving accident. She was paralyzed, became a quadriplegic, but God, in a very wonderful way, has given her an international ministry, And for almost four decades now, God's been using her in hope to millions and millions of people. I'm absolutely amazed that after 36 years, after hearing her in person, I, I still hear her once a week, now I'm reading, uh, here in Marquette. And it's incredible how God has uh, used her. I mean, you have to ask a simple question. What keeps this remarkable woman going with the disability that she has? Because, as we know, it's not always easy. Uh, She one time said this, Sometimes I wake up and I think, I just can't do this. It is so hard. And so, what appears to be a woman who uh, is just overcoming the trial of her life there are times when it is very, very difficult. But through it all, Johnny has learned a, a particular resource that has enabled her to face this daily trial of confidence. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, last week in Romans chapter 8, we looked at the Apostle Paul's perspective on suffering. And now, what I want to do today is I want to see what the Apostle Peter has to say. And after talking to us about heaven in verses 3 through 4, he turns in verses 5 to 9 to talk to us about trials and how we can benefit from the trials of our life. Uh, listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, starting at verse 5. Mm-hmm by God's power being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him you love him. Though you do not see him now you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Do you notice two little words that the Apostle Peter repeats twice? In verse 6, he mentions your faith. Um, he, he says to us that the trial of your faith, verse 7. And then if you uh, drop down to verse 9, he mentions your faith a second time. So this discussion on how to handle trials is look at it by this expression your faith. And what Peter is given to us is a very simple statement. He's telling us that we benefit from our trials when we have confident faith. That's what Johnny has. She has confident faith, and that kind of faith makes the difference in the difficulties and the hardships of life. This morning, I want to bring a message that I am simply entitled to. Benefiting from life's trials. And I want to look together at how we can have confident faith as we walk through the difficulties of life. Let's take a moment and pray and just ask the Lord to open the word to us. Lord, every time we speak on trials or suffering, we are speaking to where people live. We can hear the stories this morning of what people have been through or are going through. We know, Lord, that this is an area that we need help in. Thank you that your word constantly speaks to this. And we thank you that Peter, who ended up giving his life as a martyr for our Lord, has wisdom that has been granted to him by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we might find encouraging strength in this life. Thank you now. Teach us from your word for Jesus' sake. I want you to notice, uh, first of all, in this passage, that Peter tells us that faith gives the perspective on trials. Now, I looked up the uh, English word perspective in Webster's Dictionary, and I discovered this is the meaning perspective is the power to see or think of things in their true relationship to each other. That's what perspective is. The power to see or think of things in their true relationship to each other. And what Peter does here in verses 5 and 6 is he puts time in relationship to eternity. He tells us that our faith is able to put the present into perspective with the future. Now, I want you to notice here that in verses 5 and 6, Peter contrasts two phrases. If you notice the phrase in verse 5, it is the last time. And then in verse 6, it is the phrase, the little while, we could call this the little time. Now this is so critical. Because what he's telling us is by faith in our Lord Jesus, we're able to put into perspective what we know is coming in the last time with what we experience in this little time. Uh, The last time is a reference to the return of Jesus Christ in the rapture, to gather his children, glorify our bodies, and take us to heaven. Uh, The little time that Peter is describing is this present life in a fallen, sinful, cursed world that is soon to end. Now, notice the contrast between these two times. Notice the little time, first of all, is a time of trials. He says in verse 6, we experience various trials. The time to come, the last time, that's a time of deliverance. Look at verse 4, we're going to have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It is kept in heaven for us. We are going to experience a great deliverance. Notice that this little time is a time of grief. He says in verse 6, you've been grieved by these trials, but the time that is coming, it is a time of rejoicing. He says you rejoice in this last time that is going to come. About it, we as Christians have a, a small taste of joy now. We have sins forgiven. We have hearts that have been changed. We have the Holy Spirit who has come to live within us. But can you imagine the joy when Jesus Christ comes? Think of what the joy is going to be like. Sin is going to be removed. The old nature is going to be gone. Our bodies are glorified, and we will perpetually be in the presence of Jesus. We experience a little bit of joy now, but can you imagine what glorified joy is going to be like? See, when we are in glory, we will have a glorified body, without limitations and what that means is our joy will be without limitations. Now I think that's exactly what Peter means at the end of verse 8. Look at the end of verse 8 and he says, here's what's happening right now. We rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And I think what he's saying is the joy that is yet to come that is going to be a glorified joy is going to be so far greater than the joy we have now.
1: We have just a little taste of that joy
0: now. Thank God this morning, right? Can you imagine glorified joy? And Jesus, and then Peter says, as we think about this, this little time, It's a little while, last time that's coming is going to be forever. And when we have confident faith, what he's saying is, we put these two times into perspective. This week I read a statement by the well-known Puritan pastor Richard Siles. And Richard Sives said this, the life of a Christian is wondrously ruled in this world by the consideration and meditation of the life of another world. Isn't that such a wonderful way to say it? The life of a Christian is wondrously ruled in this world by the consideration and meditation of the life of another world point that Peter is making. We are able to compare the little time now to the last time that is coming and we are able to rule this little time with all of its trials by meditation on the last time that is coming. And so here's what believers can say. This is tough. This hurts. But I know the best is yet best is yet to come. And that is the perspective of faith. I ask you this morning, are you able to do that in the difficulties of your life? Are you able to put these two times in contrast and say, by meditating on the time that I know is coming, I can rule the trials that God has allowed me. What a wonderful thing that is. Secondly, I want you to notice in this passage a second thing that faith does. Faith gives us the purpose of trials. Faith gives us the purpose of trials. Did you notice in verse six that Peter says that we have been grieved by various trials if it is necessary. The New International Version says you may have to be created by various trials. What so this refer to? It? it refers to divine necessity. God is preparing us for something very special. He has a wonderful purpose and destiny. And what Peter is now saying is trials and suffering are one of the key tools that he uses. When we understand that, it encourages us Because we know God is working out a very gracious plan. And therefore we can say these trials that God has allowed into my life are absolutely necessary for his plan to be accomplished that he has for me in my destiny as believer. Now what is wonderful here in verse 7, Peter reveals the plan right here. In fact, what I find in verse 7 are the key lessons from the book of Job as to God's purpose in trials? In fact, one of the things that Peter says probably comes from uh, a very key verse out of the book of Job. And as you read through the book of Job and you see the suffering this man went through, what you discover is that God had three purposes for those trials, and now Peter sort of encliffs notes on the book of Job.
1: Gives to us the
0: same purposes. Let's look at them because you cannot handle our trials without understanding these. Uh, First of all, notice trials cause faith to be purified. In verse 7, Peter likens our faith to gold that he says is tried or tested by fire. Now you know that gold is one of the precious metals, because it is so rare, it is worth so much. Uh, I've been told that uh, after the nickel is uh, mined out of even mine, that there is gold and silver out there. Uh, I guess you can see. But you know that it's one of the precious metals. But when it is mined from the earth, it is full of impurities, and you know we call those impurities slag. For gold to be refined, as Peter describes it right here, it has to be melted down under intense heat. The slag rises to the top, and then it is skimmed off. Uh, Listen to uh, what one Bible student said about um, this refining process in the ancient world. An eastern goldsmith kept metal in the furnace, until he could see his face reflected in it. An eastern goldsmith kept the metal in the furnace with the heat up until the slag was skimmed off enough that he could see his face reflected in that pure gold. He kept the heat on until the slag was removed and then he turned off the heat, he took a pure gold then, he poured it into a mold that would make something very special, like a ring, or a bracelet, or a needle. Now the Bible says that's what God does with every believer. In fact, Peter here is probably echoing Job. Turn back with me to Job twenty-three for just a moment. And Peter is probably here reflecting on Job 23 and verse 10. And listen to what Joel said when he listens up the Job. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, says Job, I will come out as bold. Our lives are so pure, full of impurities, aren't they? Can we just be honest this morning and say that, yeah, our lives are so full of impurities. Selfishness, materialism, self-love, unbelief, stubborn pride, unforgiveness. All of those impurities exist in our life. So here's what the Lord does. He turns up the heat of trials to purify us from that ugly slag. As we go through those trials, we look to the Lord, because we have nowhere else to look. Uh, A friend who was going through very severe trials once said to me, "Uh, Brian, I've learned this, when the Lord is all you have, that's when you find out the Lord is all you. And we all know that's true. And as we look to the Lord, we are drawn closer to the Lord. As we draw closer to the Lord, he shows us the wrongs in our lives. And then as we yield our lives to him, he skims away the impurities so that his face can be seen better and more reflected in our life. Now, it's painful, it is difficult. But who would say the end result of the Lord's face being seen more clearly in my life is not worth it? So He purified. Secondly, Peter tells us that trials cause our faith to be proved. Trials cause our faith to be proved. <clears throat> Verse 7, it says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, if you have an international version, it says your faith needs to be proved genuine. It means to test for the purpose of approving. Now this is something that we often do not think about very much, but here's what the Bible is saying. Faith that God is one day going to honor has to be proved that's what the Bible is saying. Just as there is false faith, false hope, so there is false faith. False faith looks like the real thing until it is tested. I'll turn with me if you word for just a moment to Hebrews chapter 3. And I want you to notice this warning that the Apostle the Hebrews gives to us in verses 12 to 14, about false faith. Listen to what he says. This is so very important. Take care brothers. So he's talking to the church. Lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And you say, Pastor, what's going on here? The writer is describing false faith. Here's what happens. God allows hard times, difficulties. He allows persecution or even offenses to come. The person who has false faith becomes offended or
1: disillusioned and falls away. I think all of us have seen
0: people like that. The man who was uh, had usher for over 30 years in my former church said to me, uh, Pastor, he said, the day that I was baptized, he was converted as an adult. He said, there were two married couples who were baptized with him. He said, now all these years later, those two couples are not following Christ in any meaningful way at all in their life. And he said to me, what happened? I don't know specifically what happened, but here's what often happens. God allows difficulties, He allows suffering, He allows hard times into our lives. And people that have false faith become discouraged by that, and often they fall away in following the and it's very clear here that it wasn't that they lost their salvation, it's that they had false faith. Just as there is false gold, so there is false faith. And so people who have false faith often fall away from God in times of trial. You've all heard this statement, it is absolutely 100% true, Trials for you to drive you closer to God. Or they will drive you farther from. Let's all ask ourselves this morning: what trials do us? If they drive us farther from God, then we have reason for concern. Because our faith is being disproved by testing. But if trials drive us closer to God, then we have reason to rejoice. Because our faith is being proved by testing. That is so critical for us to understand. If you are going through difficult pain,
1: and it causes you to love God more,
0: to draw closer to Him, and to be in His Word more, with His people more. a wonderful sign for Because it means your faith is being proven in the crucible of fire. This week I came across a a wonderful poem about this written by Ken Pilcher Jr. The title of the poem is Your Faith is Being Tested. This is what he says. Your patience, your faithfulness, and your belief in Jesus Christ are all being tested as if by fire. The fire of burdens, troubles, temptations, and fears. Then look to Jesus and his promises for the strength, the love, and the endurance you need, for everyone must be tested. But by trusting the Lord with your burdens, they become light. By being faithful to your belief in Jesus, you come forth. share with you another purpose for these trials. Thirdly, trials cause faith to be praised. Trials cause faith to be praised. Look at the end of verse 7. It says, In the last time, the year with Jesus, our trials that have been tested by fire and purified are going to be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you wonder, What is it going to be like for Christians who have gone through the test and been proved? What's, What's it going to be like? Well, here it is. Heaven will involve three wonderful experiences for those who have been purified in their faith, and their faith has been proved. Look at these three wonderful experiences. Number one, there's going to be praise. There's going to be praise. Jesus said, for the faithful servant, he's going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. So, what the praise is going to be? Well done. Good job. It was tough. It was tough. You persevered. Jesus himself will praise God. Imagine that. Christ Himself praises. us. Notice the second thing it will involve. It will involve of honor. There's going to be honor. Honor here probably is referenced to positions of recognition and responsibility in God's kingdom. So that in the kingdom and in heaven, there will be places of responsibility and administration. We will be placed in those places. Given honor as we serve the Lord. And then notice the final thing that heaven will involve, it will involve glory.
1: Glorified bodies
0: dwell in the glorious presence of the Lord. If anyone ever asks you what heaven to be like, take them right here. Heaven will be praised from Jesus. It will be honor in serving in his kingdom in places that we have earned. And it will be glory as we live in a glorified body in his presence for heaven. Uh, can I ask you this point Is that worth something for you? Is anybody going to say on the day that you receive praise, honor, and glory from Jesus, it wasn't worth it? is what Christ is preparing us for as we suffer. You know what, so far, Peter has been talking about the future, hasn't he? He's been talking about high in the sky, pie in pie. And I would just hear somebody say, Pastor, can you have any bread for us right now? And wonderfully, I want you to notice that Peter ends by saying there's encouragement for us right now. Look what he says here in verses 8 and 9. He says that faith gives us Jesus Christ himself right now in trials. Look at this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you do not see him now, you believe him.
1: And one day you're going to rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and
0: filled with glory For right now, you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the eternal salvation of your souls. You know what Peter saying to us? There is someone right now that we can lean on. That person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in these two verses, he tells us how it is that we can experience the presence of Jesus daily as we walk through trials. These two verses are some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. This week, as I was preparing for this message, I came across this statement, and I love it so very, very much. I think it hits us right on the head. Listen to the statement If you believe in God, the sensible thing to do is to live as if you are in His presence. Isn't that good? If you believe in God, and as a Christian, Jesus mediates God to us, then the sensible thing to do is to live as if you are in his presence. Now you know what Peter does here? He tells us how a Christian can practice the presence of Jesus on a daily basis. And I just love it. Let me just uh, give, give what he says to us and then we'll just look at it for just a moment. Here's how you practice the presence of Jesus you love Christ, you trust Christ, and you look for Christ. That's how a Christian practices Jesus' daily presence. Look at verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Turn back with me to John 14 for just a moment, and I want you to notice something Jesus says in verse 23. John 14, and notice verse 23. Andrew, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him.
1: Whoever does not love
0: me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine. But the Father is the Jesus says to us, "You are loving him. The way we love him is by keeping his word." And then he says, "If you will do that, my Father and I, we will come and we will make our home with you. You will know my encouraging presence." So keep on loving and keep on keeping his word. And notice the second. thing your sins. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. You know in the New Testament the word believe means to trust. So here he says, keep believing, don't doubt. Trust his word.
1: When trials come and
0: you can't understand, you come to the word of God and you understand alright, trials are to purify my faith, trials are to bring praise to me, ultimately in glory, and trials prove my faith. And you say, yes, but this is hard. This is so hard. I'm not sure I can do this. You keep trusting him. You don't see him now. But you believe. You believe. If it were not for this word, I would have walked away a long time ago. Because sometimes what I read here does not match what I'm going through. What I believe with all my heart, this is true far more even than what I'm experiencing. And I believe, though I have not seen. It. And the final thing Jesus says, Peter says, is we are to look for Christ. I love verse 9 because the first word is in the present tense. Receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's very critical. What Peter is saying is that it is so certain it has already gone.
1: We are just waiting now for
0: Jesus to bring us finally home. We're looking for him. And we're not afraid that it's not going to happen. Because we're already receiving the down payment, the first fruits of the spirit, and we know if you've got the down payment, we know the rest will come. And so we're looking for him. Knowing that he will have. Listen, if you were doing this today, you were practicing the presence of Jesus. It's not mystical. It's not something we cannot understand.
1: Love him by keeping his word
0: trust him when everything says we should. And we look for sure. Peter says when you do. When you do that, you are experiencing the presence of God. I wonder if you know that John. Your book entitled "Having a Real Home. Uh, by the way, I think people who suffer like her on a daily basis, I think they're more eager about heaven than those of us who don't. Because they live with their limitation every day. And so I think they think about heaven far more than we do because every day they live with their tribe and their disability.
1: You know what Johnny says is going to be the best part
0: of heaven for her? How many things jumping out of that wheelchair in front That's what we would right? In her book on heaven, this is what she says He is the best part of heaven for. I won't be crippled by distractions or disabled by insincerity. I won't be handicapped by a whole hum half heartedness. My heart will join with yours and bubble over with effervescent adoration. We will finally be able to fellowship fully with the Father and the Son. For me, this will be the best part of heaven. And we have a little taste of that now. But someday, face to face, it be glorified. That's confident faith. That's confident faith. It can be yours and mine as well as Christ. Let's bow together. Father, thank you today for speaking to us right where we are. Thank you for our Lord of God comes together teaches us how our faith can grow through trials. I pray, Father, for anyone today who perhaps is here planning to give up the Christian life. Maybe, Lord, they're at that place where they decide, well, I'll, I'll go to church today and I'll give the Lord one more opportunity. And I pray, Lord, today that they would rise up, examine their own lives, where they truly stand with a loving God. God pray that seeing all of the Bible ladies before us as Christians, they would say, I can go on with this. Father, today, we lift our hearts to you, I pray that you would strengthen our faith. Help us to experience the joy and perseverance that you long for us to have. May we walk from this place lifted and encouraged to serve you in a very difficult way. Thank you.